give you a little bit of background on how we're at the sermon this morning. About a month or so ago is the session as we were talking about this budget meeting that we're going to have today and that sort of thing. One of the things I told them is I, I didn't want our budget meeting to be solely about numbers. I wanted that to be melded with who we are as a church, where we've been, and where we're going. To talk not only about money, but to talk about ministry, because the money's nothing if it's not fueling and, and um, a part of our ministry. So those two go together, and I said I wanted to, I wanted to do that. And as I, I had several iterations of what this was going to look like in my head initially, and uh, as we got closer to the time, and I was thinking about the process, that the last thing I want to do is be the last guy up in a congregational meeting. After you've listened to me preach for 30 minutes, and then you've listened to a bunch of numbers, and then I'm going to stand up at about noon uh, and try to give you a sense of who we are and where we're headed. And so I asked him, I said, how about if we take the opportunity during the sermon it's biblical anyways. We're talking about who we are. We're talking about what Christ has called us to be and do. And why don't we, how about I do it there instead of at the very end? And they said, okay. So here we are. If you've got your Bibles, you, you may want to turn to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy. We're going to get to Matthew 28 in due course. Here's what I want to do as we think about this, as we talk about L-O-P-C, as we talk about what it is that we're doing, what you have been doing, what do we want to do in the future, what is it that makes us tick as a congregation, what I want to do is I want to use a pattern that comes to us from the book of Deuteronomy. In the book of Deuteronomy, you have basically three sections. You could break it down in in a couple of other ways, but the big chunks of the book of Deuteronomy are this. The first four chapters, Moses is looking backwards. The middle chapters are chapters 5 to 26. And in those chapters, Moses essentially is calling the people to look upwards. He's directing their attention back to the law. He's, he's kind of reorienting them back to essential principles. And then you've got chapters 37 to, or 27 to 34. And in those chapters, Moses essentially is saying, there's the land that God promised you. Now go get it. Okay? So he talks about where they've been. He talks about he reorients them around what is essential to them. And then he points them in the direction of where they're going. And what I want to do this morning is try to follow that pattern that Moses has given to us and, and looking backward, looking upward, and then looking forward as we think about where we've been, where we're at, and where we're going, okay? So that's kind of the ground game. Let's talk a little bit about these first four chapters looking backwards. There's a lot, the entire book is looking backwards, but specifically in these first four chapters, here is what Moses is doing. Moses is reorienting the people, and he essentially, he talks primarily about what took place at a location, Kadesh Barnea, or Kadesh, let's just shorten it. That was essentially the encampment which most of the events in the first four chapters take place. And and I'm just here to tell you, it's not a pretty picture, okay? 
So the first four chapters, Moses is looking back. He's not saying, hey, look how great and wonderful we were back then. He's essentially going back and he's saying, you know what? We've had some tough times. Kadesh Barnea is the place where they initially sent the spies into the promised land. It's the place where they had their first real failure to launch for the promised land. It's the place where Moses disobeyed the Lord and struck the rock twice and was forbidden from entering the promised land. It's the place where both Miriam and Aaron died and were buried. It's the place where Moses petitioned the Edomite king for safe passage, a request that was denied him. Those first four chapters are full of stories of failure. Interesting, isn't it? You're going to reorient, you're going to reorient your people, and what does Moses do? He takes them back, and he talks about all their mess-ups, all their failures, and says, here, here's a picture of just exactly what has gone on in, in our past. Now, it's not totally that, but it is largely that in those first four chapters. It's actually a very helpful thing for God's people to do. It is very helpful to look back. Hindsight is what? 2020. When you're in the middle of something, sometimes you, we have a tendency to think we're all that and more. But when you look back, here's typically what you see. What Moses did is he had them look back and it, they saw their failure and they saw his faithfulness. As the people looked back, Moses could direct them to their failure, here's what's gone wrong, and then he could say to them, but how amazing is it that even in the midst of all of that, God was sovereignly with us and in control of everything, and he's brought us to this point. I've heard, I've been here six months, heard a lot of stuff in six months. eh? I'm not an expert on what has happened over the last 17, 18 years, But I've heard a few things, and I know this, that here at LOPC, we have had our own failures. We've had strong personalities. We've had conflict. We've had competing visions for who we are. We've picked sides in conflicts instead of seeking resolution. We've let our egos get in the way sometimes, and our feelings have gotten hurt. Sometimes we've been negatives when we should have been positives. We've not always pulled our weight. We've not always used our gifts. We've not always used our time, our treasure, our energy. And sometimes we've actually forgotten God. We've left and gone and wandered in the wilderness. We've also seen an enduring commitment to the original vision that John Kinzer laid down for the reaching the lake occupants here in this area with the gospel the Lord Jesus. He started initially what you all have continued, and that is fellowship groups. We purchased this land. We built the building through the vision and leadership of men and women in this congregation. We paid off a hefty mortgage. During very difficult economic times, your leadership was actually able to put away Money for rainy days. In the midst of all of that, 2008 
up to this point, time, very lean times. I, I talk to my friends and churches all over the place. These have been the leanest years in ministry in a long, long time. And during that period, your elders and your deacons were able and saw fit by God's blessing in this church to be ready for difficult days were they to come. So as you look back, as we look back on where we've been as a congregation, and it changes, but we are Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church. If you take a picture of us today, here we are. There's new, there's old, we're all mingled and mixed together. But if we all look back together, here's what we'll see. We'll see a lot of failure, and we'll see a lot of faithfulness by our great God. Right? True? Absolutely. He is faithful. And he is able. And when you look back and you think about all of that, you think about the failures, here's the thing we come, here's the conclusion we can come to. And it's what we read in Scripture when the Apostle Paul says that we are all clay pots, right? That God is using, that God has deposited the glory of the gospel in clay pots. And so you and I are here today, and he has deposited that gospel in us. We're a, a tough lot, okay? Let's just admit it. We are. And that's okay. Because that's the way he's designed it. And so we're here. We're the body of Christ at Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church. And they'll, we'll, we will look back in another 15 years and we'll say, boy, weren't we a mess back then? But what we want to be able to say is, wasn't God faithful to continue to work in and through us? to bring glory to himself by using us to reach friends and neighbors here in the Lake Oconee area. And that's what God is doing. That's the first chunk. That's the looking back chunk. Let's talk about the second chunk. The second chunk is chapters 5 to 26. And in that second chunk, it could be divided up other ways, but that's, that's essentially this big overarching chunk. It's the looking up section. And in the looking up section, Moses continually redirects the people. Let's just do this. I think you'll see it clearly um, if you take your Bible and you look at it. And let's just, all you have to do in these sections is look at the first line in so many um, of these chapters, right? So, in, in chapter 5 of Deuteronomy, Moses summoned all the people and he said this, Hear, O Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. What? Learn them and be sure to follow them. Okay? What does that sound like? That is a reorientation. He's saying, look, All the stuff that's happened before, okay, let's reorient now. Here is what we're going to do. We're going to read the law. Well, it makes sense then as you begin reading chapter 6. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing in the Jordan to possess. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, we're going to take the promised land. At the very end of the the book, they get a good kick, and he's saying, now go and do and possess what I have given to you. But when you get there, don't forget. Don't forget who you are as a people. Don't forget the basics. Don't forget 
the foundational elements of what you're doing. In chapter 6, he gives them a very strong warning. And here's what he says. He says, when you go in and take possession of that land, be very careful that you don't forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Don't forget him. The, and, and the way that they would forget is they're going to be, they're going to succumb to all of the trappings, right? They're going to inherit houses they didn't build, inherit houses they didn't build, inherit houses they didn't build. You see how easy it is to forget? Right? Some of us have come, we, we're here, we parachute in, there's a beautiful sanctuary and there's classrooms and there's all this stuff. We don't have the benefit of having seen all of that happen. And so we come, and this is very, we could begin to feel as if, hey, this is not kind of a country club, right? Let's just settle down here. Let's have a good time here. Well, all of this is here. Why? Because so many of you were out there, and you were hosting people in your homes, and you were ministering to people out there, and that's why people are here. And so he reorients them. Chapter 7. First line, when the Lord your God brings you into the land you're entering to possess and drives out before the many nations, the Hittites, and he goes through all of those. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and, de- and defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty. Right? So he starts telling him, this is what's going to happen when we're there. Chapter 8, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord has given you. Chapter 9, hear, O Israel, you are now about to cross the Jordan to go in and dispossess the nations greater. All right? Reorientation is, is taking place. He, he is telling them, look, here is who you are and this is what you are supposed to do. How about let's refocus for a minute. Let's think about everything that is going on, everything that is before us. It's relatively simple. It's relatively straightforward. When Jesus came, he said, I didn't come to abolish what? The law. I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to uphold it. But then he does something interesting for us. We essentially have Jesus' cliff notes on who it is we are and what it is we're to be doing. It's been put this way. A great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission grows a great church. Let's think about this. What is the great commandment? Jesus summarizes it for us in Matthew chapter 22 when he tells us, In answering a question, right, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, right? And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He summarizes, and he says, all of the laws of the prophets hang right here. That means you want to boil it down. What you need to do is love God and love your neighbor. Love God with everything you've got. Cherish Him. Be passionate about your worship of Him. Engage Him fully, for He has engaged you. And and you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Interesting, isn't it? How did 
Moses refocus. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up and tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Moses reoriented them that way. Jesus oriented us that way. We need to stay focused on what it is we're called to be and do. We are worshipers of our great creator God, right? And so we gather week in and week out and we worship. But don't forget what Moses said. Moses said, don't forget the law. Let it be upon your hearts. The equivalent is the word. And so we're a word-centered congregation. We will continue to be a word-centered, word-driven, word-loving, word-preaching. Come on, can I get an amen? We are going to stay focused on the word. It, it is pri- it, it's part and parcel of who we are as the people of God here at Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church. We are going to preach that word. We are going to teach that word. We are going to offer discipleship classes that are focused around the word. We are going to study our Westminster Confession because it is a summary of the word. We are going to stay in the word. Your fellowship groups are teaching the word. Why? Because it grows us. It it becomes a part of who we are. The more we are in it, the more we learn it, the more we change and become more like Christ. And the more we glorify God. And so... We're going to continue to be word-centered in each and every facet of what we do. The psalmist says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Word. Let me ask you a question. As we refocus, as we reorient, are you committed to knowing the word? Are you committed to studying the word? Are you committed to being alongside God's people studying the Word? Are you in a fellowship group? Listen, you can come here and you can come on Sunday morning and and I will be greatly encouraged to see you here. I will be doubly encouraged to know that you're involved in that deeper ministry in the church which are our fellowship groups. Right now, we, we looking at the numbers, it looks like roughly, roughly 50% of you are meeting in homes. Wonderful percentage. That is, Marion, where are you? Isn't that not tremendously encouraging? Marion and I look at that number and we say, that is awesome. But years ago, years and years ago, when John Kinzer was here, and I've talked with John just recently, I asked him about all of this. And John said, we, had, we pounded the idea of, Every member fishing. Does anybody remember that? Okay, well, I'm not going to tell John that. But John said we beat that drum. Every member fishing. Maybe that was in his head and his heart, and that's what he wanted to see, and maybe that's what he was praying for. I'm just going to verbalize it. Every member fishing. What he meant by that was every member involved. 
Every member using their gifts. Every member encouraging other people. Every member living and being and breathing as a part of this body. Okay? Are you fishing? One of the easiest ways for you to get involved is join a fellowship group. Just go. Go. Begin to learn names of people that perhaps you you don't know yet. and, And listen to their lives and share prayer requests and study the Word together and grow. Grow. It's a tremendous blessing. And we need more fellowship groups. So if you're out here tonight and you're like, I'm not a part of one, but I want to start one, come see me. Let's start more. We need more. We need every member fishing. It's a foundational building block of who we are and what we do. It's the first part, right? The Word, knowing the Word, being involved. So... The second part, right? That's how you're going to, that's right. Because what does God say? He says, this is how I'll know that you're my disciples. This is how I know that you love me if what? You keep my commandments. The way that we keep his commandments is we're word saturated. We know the word. The word lives in us. We're, We're sharpened by it. We're challenged by it. And so that is that primary means. Here's the second part. Love your neighbor as yourself. When I talked with John this past week, and he told me about this idea, he said, I was always pounding every member fishing, and I I really liked that. The second thing he said was that he had purposed that he wanted to empower, as he said it, okay, I wanted to empower lake people to reach lake people. And here's what he meant by that. What he meant by that was we move in social circles. We're social beings. We move in social circles. And the best person to reach your neighbor is whom? You. It's not Marion. It's not me. It's not Joe Blow down the street. It's you because you're there. You, you're living next to that person. You're obviously swimming in the same water. You have the same background. You have the same life. You, you are interested in perhaps the same things. You play golf. You Whatever it is. And so you are most, you are the best equipped to reach your neighbor for Christ and his kingdom. And so, as you love your neighbor, as you're near your neighbor, as you're beside your neighbor, you you are challenged by the word to be good for them. And the best way that you're going to be good for them is by loving them, sharing the gospel with them, inviting them to come and be a part of your worship. And so, We want to continue that. We want to continue to emphasize that idea. We never want there to, we don't want you to ever adopt the professional clergy idea that you've brought Marion and I here and we're going to win Lake Oconee. And that, that will never happen. I just tell you right now, it will not happen. And if it did happen, it would be the most unhealthy thing you've ever seen. You don't want that. What you want is every member a minister, everybody fishing, loving their neighbor, okay? Now, we also do some other things. We're loving our neighbors, the area, okay? We love this area, all people. We're we're surrounded. We're in these two counties, Putnam and Greene County, and we want to love our neighbors as a congregation, as a church. You all are amazing at this. Let me just tell you that... When I was looking, we were talking about coming here. 
this is, these are the things that excited me most about who you are as a people, okay? And that is the fellowship groups and the way you're involved in ministry. I'm going to leave somebody out. I know that's going to happen because some of you are ministering in places I don't even know. But just listen to some places you all are involved in. Okay? People that are sitting next to you. Circle of Life. First Call Pregnancy Center. Harmony Hospice. Kairos Prison Ministry. The Central Georgia Food Bank. Atlas Ministry and Camp. Oconee House Senior Living. Georgia War Veterans. Boys and Girls Club. Praying Hearts and Busy Hands. That's here in the church, but it, it reaches people outside the church. Habitat for Humanity, St. Mary's Hospital, uh, Free Tax Aid, Green County Christian Outreach, Meals on Wheels, Community Bible Study, Putnam County Christian Outreach. There are more. I know there are more. What an amazing list of the ministries, of the, of the opportunities that you all are taking to reach into this community. That's a phenomenal list. And, and it's only growing because there's more of us and we're involved in other places. We want to continue to love our neighbors out there, right? Um, and, and then, who knows? Maybe they'll come here. Maybe they'll see your love. What an idea. And they'll say, hey, I want some of what you got. And they'll end up here and they'll um, be loved on and encouraged. So loving our neighbors. Let's, here's an operating principle as you think about this, okay? We want what happens here in the church, the programs, the classes, the things we do. We want all of that to be about building you up investing in you so that you go in and do the work of ministry so that you can be a neighbor who loves your neighbors and loves them well. We don't ever want to forget as a church, we are a lighthouse. We are a rescue station for the weary traveler. If we forget that, if we forget that, we will become a country club. I've seen it. If we forget that we are a haven for the weary traveler, we will instead become a country club. Let me ask you a question. Do we need another club here? No. We need to be a place for the weary traveler. Okay, And you may not see it. I'm hearing story after story after story of people who come to Lake Oconee, and guess what? They're weary travelers. You may not recognize them, but they're weary. Their hearts are heavy, and they're longing to hear the good news that there's still hope for them in this world. You and I have that hope, right? So let's close with this last item. What about the Great Commission? What about the Great Commission? Okay, He's given us this job. He wants us to make disciples. We baptize them. We teach them. We grow them. We bring them into the body. And we turn them into disciple makers. It's formal. It's informal. It's always going on in the life of the church. Here's one thing about that. Okay, Here's the thing about the Great Commission. It is the only quantitative way for us to judge 
how it is we're doing as a church. Because, and pastors don't like to talk about this. But you know when people are joining your fellowship and are being discipled and are being disciplers. You just know. Why do you know? Because they show up on the roll. Because the number is there. It's the only quantitative, right? Pastors are often very frustrated. We're frustrated by the fact that it's hard to gauge spiritual growth. So somebody could come to you and go, well, what have you been doing? Well, I've been growing people. Well, show me. That's really hard to do. I mean, uh, gee, John, you know, didn't go down to the local tavern every day this week. It's somewhat difficult to quantify. But guess what? When you and I are making disciples, that's not hard to quantify. How many people are you meeting with? Well, I got three. Hmm, that's a number. Ching, ching, three. How many stayed with you for two years? Two. Ah, now we can quantify who it is and what we're doing, okay? And so we're committed to the Great Commission, building disciples. If you take your bulletin and look at the bottom of the front page for me, what does it say? Who are we as a church? We're a church, what? That makes disciples who make a difference. This is not rocket science, but we have to keep chopping, right? We have to keep chopping and we can't lose focus. It isn't about buildings. It isn't about brick. It's not about mortar. All of those things facilitate the growing of disciples. So there may be a question this morning. You may have a question rattling around in your head because we've talked about it for the last several years. You all even commissioned plans for the building of a big building back here, right? A new fellowship hall. Great. It's, a, it's an amazing set of plans, okay? Don't lose focus. What is that building all about? That building is only about the facilitation of growing disciples, because we're fellowshipping, because we're spending time together, it makes it a little bit easier for us to do some of the things that, that we should and have to be doing. And that is getting together, loving on each other, and building community. Are you with me? And so that building is not the be-all and end-all. That's not our focus. Our focus is on making disciples. The building merely facilitates the making of disciples. And so what they always say, what you know, they tell you in all these ministry classes is, facilities follow growth. So when we're busting at the seams, are you with me? When we're busting at the seams, then we'll talk about this. When we're making disciples and we're meeting with people and the fellowship groups are growing and we just can't handle it all and, and our deacons are looking at us with their tongues hanging out going, man, if we set up tables one more time, we quit. Then we go, then, Dick, Dick, where are you? Dick's like, hey, man, we're already there. I know that's a question, and we've talked about it, and what I think, what I think your elders would tell you in unison is, yes, we want to get there. Let's keep chopping. Let's keep chopping. Let's keep making disciples. Let's keep getting together, and let's see what the Lord does. That building will happen at the right time. You with me? All right. Last chunk, quickly. I probably messed this all up, but we're there. The major push, at, the, major push at, the, at the end of Deuteronomy is the land is yours, go and possess it. Here's how I'd put it. 
Jesus has given us a promise, and his promise is this. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I am going to build my church. A great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. So as we think about that, as we are beginning this new year, starting off my first full year here, Marion's second full year here, here's kind of where we want to go, right? We want to ask you as we start, do you believe that he is building his church, this church? Are you committed to it? If you're a member, you've already committed to it. Because what you said is, in those, that statement is, I am willing to support this church and its worship and work to the best of my, what, ability. You already raised your hand and said, I will support the work and worship of this church to the best of my ability. And so we want to do that. And we want to encourage you in that um, as we get together, as we worship, as we fellowship, as we spend time together. Let's make it the year of every member fishing, every member committed to loving their neighbor, every member committed to being a part of a fellowship group, every member committed to being in worship if they're here. Listen, let's make it the year, right? Vince Lombardi used to go into the locker room. Where's my coach at? Lou, where are you? I'm lying. Just call me out on it. But the story is that he would go into the locker room and he'd have all those guys, you know, big burly guys around him. They've been playing football and, you know, going after it and giving it everything they got. And he'd pull a football out and he'd go, gentlemen, this is a football. Okay? Down to the brass tacks. It's not complicated. He's called us. To love Him and to love our neighbor and to do it well. Let's keep chopping. For He is faithful. We do what He's called us to do, what He's asked us to do. And He'll grow His church. Let's pray.